seeing what we need to see involves seeing the right path that gets us to the right place. This message is the eighth in the series Vision 2020. The message is entitled, See the Steps. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. Grab your Bibles, if you will, and your teaching sheets tonight, and encourage you as well as was already mentioned a moment ago on the, uh, on the screen uh, announcements, just to be aware that next weekend we are starting a brand new series of messages that will prepare us for Easter. I thought this year, what, what do we need to do to tune our hearts up for the Easter season, and what do we need to think about? And there's no greater message in the Easter story than the story of God's grace. It's the one thing that changes everything in your life. So I want you to be with me for the next uh, four, five, six weeks together as we head into Easter to talk about this very important topic. Bring a friend. I encourage you, even starting next weekend, it'll be a great opportunity for you to bring someone that doesn't know Jesus and get them introduced to the understanding of what the grace of God is all about, how it changes our lives. Tonight, I'm concluding our Vision 2020 series. Have you enjoyed the series so far? I hope you have. It's been a great series for all of us, Vision 2020. Uh, tremendous and I certainly have been benefiting from it. I want to talk tonight, as we wrap all this up, these, these weeks that we've been together, this is our eighth message in this series, beginning 2020. I want to talk to you about seeing the steps that are necessary for you and I to take for the rest of our days so that we can understand the vision of God for our lives. It's very clear that the Bible teaches us the importance of something called spiritual vision. In Proverbs 29, verse 18, the writer uh, inspired by God says, without a vision, people will perish. He's not talking about natural eyesight, ability to see things in the natural realm. He's talking about something that's different. Actually, the original Hebrew word that's used there is actually without a godly revelation, without a revelation from God, without spiritual vision, people perish. People run wild. People don't know how to move through life effectively. And it's so true that when we lose our spiritual vision, we run amok in our relationship with God. It's so easy to lose your vision. It's so important that we learn to maintain spiritual vision in our lives. If we're going to avoid, avoid a perishing life and have a flourishing life, you and I need spiritual vision. So can I take just a moment and remind us where we've been for the last several weeks? Is that okay? Just a little recap for you. We started out talking about God getting your attention because you can't have a vision until God has your attention. We talked about Isaiah, and the second thing we talked about is seeing the Lord. I saw the Lord high and exalted, the train of his robe filling the temple. Isaiah, when Isaiah chapter 6, we talked about him have a, having a vision of God, and that's also extremely important that you begin to see him and you begin to look heavenward. We talked about seeing the truths of God's kingdom and how his kingdom is different. His kingdom is different from the kingdom of the world, how we operate differently in his kingdom. We talked about seeing ourselves, the value of seeing who God not only made us to be, but the issues that he wants to work in our lives. We talked about seeing God's power as grace as the helper to us. We talked about the importance of seeing the promises of God. That's why I gave you that resource. And then last weekend, I talked about seeing your God-designed purpose. Today, I'm going to bring all of that together. I'm going to talk to you about how do you now begin to engage in the steps that will make these seven other things continuing to be a part of your life. I don't want to just have a, a, a series that happened for eight weeks in 2020 and we sort of went through it and forgot about it. I want this to impact us for the rest of our lives. Amen? So how do we bring all this together? Let me talk to you about some steps, and I'm going to give you three main things that you need to understand tonight as we're wrapping up this series, as we embrace these other seven things that we've talked about in the weeks previously. Number one, getting on the right path is the, is the key to getting to the right place. If you're going to keep this vision in front of you, you've got to be on the right path because 
being on the right path is vital to you getting to the right place. You will never get to the right place unless you're on the right path. Can you give me the other microphone there? I'm not sure what's happening to this one, but uh, we'll fix it for tomorrow. Okay, so if you... How about that? Is that better? Okay, good. So where was I until my microphone interrupted me, okay? You've got to be on the right path to, be on the right pl to get to the right place in your life. And certainly, pursuing and finding that right path is very, very important to all of us. Jesus made this very, very clear. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, please listen to what Jesus said. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. Many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. Only a few find it. Do you notice that Jesus mentions two pathways or two roads here? One is a pathway or a road that is wide, and he says that pathway is leading somewhere, and it leads to destruction. And there's another pathway that is narrow, and it leads to life. Few people find it. And so we have to be aware of the fact that you and I are consistently and throughout our life on various paths. And if you're going to get to the right place, you must be on the right path because your road is taking you somewhere. Your path is taking you somewhere. It's taking you to a destination. It's taking you to a destiny. And so it's important for you to know which road that you're on. What I, can I ask you tonight in your own spiritual journey right now, what road are you on? There have been times in life when I thought I was on the right road and actually I was on the wrong road. How about you? I thought I was making it to a certain destination, but I realized I'd gotten off on the wrong exit. I'd gotten off on the wrong place. I'm on the wrong road. And so it's important to stop from time to time and to ask ourselves the question, what road am I on? Am I on the right road leading me to the right place? And when you get on the right road, you have to take steps because steps are the very thing that gets you where you need to be. If I'm told you now I'm going to walk from here and my destination is those double doors in the back, I have to take steps that will get me there. I'm on a journey. I'm on a pathway, but I must take steps in that journey. And steps require faith. That's where your faith comes in. So it's extremely important that we understand that we're on a journey that requires a certain amount of steps on our part, and the right steps will lead us to the right place. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who do what? Earnestly Seek him. Earnestly walk in the right path. Earnestly walk in the right steps. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. Notice the amplified version. Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the work of the Lord, always doing your best and doing more than is needed, and being continually aware that your labor, even to the point of exhaustion in the Lord, is not futile nor wasted. It is never without purpose. We could break this passage apart, but in essence, uh, Paul is saying, get on the right path and stay on it. It may be exhausting at times. It may be wearying. You may not see where you're going all the time in the journey, but stay on the path and make sure that you're staying on the right path and it's not futile and it never will be wasted. Proverbs 4, 18 and 19. But the path of righteous people is like the light of dawn that becomes brighter and brighter until it reaches midday. The way of wicked people is like deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. So the path of righteous people, what does it do? It begins to be brighter and brighter as you follow that pathway. I will tell you this, that the longer you walk with Jesus and the closer you stay with him, over time, the more enjoyable your relationship with him becomes. The more insight you get into who he is and how he wants to work in your life. 
message paraphrase gives us in verse 18, Proverbs 4, the ways of right living people glow with light. The longer they live, the brighter they shine. So getting to the right place is key to getting on the right road and taking the right steps in life. Let me take you to the second point. The second thing is this. We're talking about seeing the steps. Steps involve something called a process. So spiritual progress is a result of following the right process. Let me illustrate it this way. Give me a little bit more of this microphone, please. Here's the, here's the idea. If you're going to make a cake, right? I'm not a baker, so I'm just looking. I'm giving you an example from watching my wife, okay? If you're going to bake a cake, you have to have the right ingredients, correct? But it's not enough. I could put the butter and the sugar and the flour and the baking powder and, and all that other stuff. I could lay it out on the counter, but I still couldn't bake a cake. I might know all the ingredients that would go into a cake and be aware of the certain amounts that will go into the cake, but, but it's not just a matter of getting the ingredients on the counter. You have to know the process of baking, correct? The process of baking requires steps. So you have a destination, I'm going to bake a cake, and I've got the ingredients, but now I've got to know the steps in the process, and you can't invert the steps. You have to follow them sequentially to get the, the, the process accomplished the way you desire. Well, the same is true in the spiritual life, that if you and I are going to continue to keep this spiritual vision in our journey with God, we, we need to understand that by and large, this involves steps in a process. And too many people in the Christian journey fail to understand that spiritual growth is a process. It involves ingredients that you don't just sort of throw them together, but there's a process that God uses to transform your life and keep you on the right path as you move forward in your journey with Him. Now, to make spiritual progress, you have to be committed to the process. We have to change the way our thinking about how God works in our life. Let me give you the classic way that most people think about God helping them. They, th they have what I call the miracle moment mentality. Say it with me. The miracle moment mentality. They get into the idea that if, we're going to, if they're going to grow in God, that God's going to help them by just doing consistent, continual miracles in their life. If they've got a problem, then they cry out for a breakthrough. If they have an issue they're dealing with in their life, they're looking for a miracle. There are so many believers that spend their entire spiritual journey trying to go from miracle to miracle, finding the miracle-working power of God to help them get where they need to be. Now, understand something. I believe firmly in miracles. I've had miracles happen in my life. I believe that our God is the God of miracles. Can I get a good amen right there, okay? He does miracles. Our God is the God of breakthrough. He does incredible breakthroughs. He comes through for us. He makes a way where there is no way. He does incredible things for us. He is a gracious, miracle-working God. So please understand, in no way am I diminishing what I believe and know to be, and the Bible teaches us about the miracle-working power of God. But when it comes to your spiritual growth, your spiritual growth generally doesn't happen by miracles. It happens by following a process. If it happened by miracles, if you became spiritually mature by a miracle, we just line you all up, lay hands on you, pray for a miracle, send you out, everybody would be like Jesus. 
It doesn't happen that way. And so becoming more like Christ and learning how to follow him is a process that we engage in. And most of us in the process, you you have ups and downs. Any of you have some ups and downs in your spiritual journey? Come on, are you with me tonight? Is there anybody here that you started walking with Jesus and you just went like straight to the moon, like no problems at all, right? No, our our journey with Jesus in a process is oftentimes like this. We start growing, then we take a little dip, and then we kind of grow up again, and then we, we kind of level off for a period of time, and then we maybe shoot up for a period of time in our spiritual journey. Sometimes we take a big dip down again, and then we shoot back up again. But here overall, what, what's happening in your life is that while there's some ups and downs in the graph, overall you're getting higher and higher in your walk with God, okay? Are you with me tonight? It's extremely important because that that will help you to understand when you take a little nosedive in your journey, it's okay, you can rebound. That when you level out and things are kind of plateau in your spiritual journey, don't get discouraged because it's all part of the process. Are you with me? It's extremely important because if you don't, if you think if it's going to only be a miracle that that, that either I have it or I don't, then what's going to happen, you'll be very discouraged in your spiritual life. You'll always be waiting. Why didn't God give me that miracle? Why can't I get through this? Well, God says, I'm trying to grow you up. And as a part of that, you're going to have journeys up and journeys down and you're going to have moments of plateau. It's all a part of the process. It's extremely important. Now, the children of Israel had to learn about this in their own journey with God. Let me tell you what happened to them. Moses led them out of Egypt. We all recognize that great event that happened. It was a miracle moment. Would you agree that when God parted the Red Sea, everybody say miracle? Seas don't part without a miracle. So God parted the Red Sea, and they came through the Red Sea on dry ground in a sea, and then the the Egyptians come behind them, and now it's now turned to mud because their their, their chariots, the wheels are, are sinking into the mud, and God causes the water to come down on the Egyptians. It is a miracle moment of deliverance. Let me tell you, your salvation will always be a miracle moment. Okay. You can't say you don't get saved by a process, you get saved by a miracle. Okay. It's called the new birth. And so the Israelites came through the Red Sea miraculously. God gave them salvation. But once they got into the wilderness, they they now had a journey to the promised land and they didn't have any resources. And so here they are day by day without any food or without any water. And so every day they needed a miracle to make it. They needed a miracle because they were in the wilderness. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 3, it says that they all ate the same heavenly manna. What happened was God would rain down manna from heaven every day of the week except the Sabbath. And they would go out early in the morning and they would gather up manna, the food for their day, because God sent it. Angel food was sent to them every day. Would you agree with me? That was a miracle. God said, I'm going to take care of you. And so they got used to the fact that every day for 40 years, every day God put food on the table for them. They didn't have to hunt for it, didn't have to fish for it, didn't have to do anything except go out with their jars and collect every day what God rained down from heaven. When they got to the promised land, they were expecting God to do the same kind of miracle for them. But notice, if you will, what happens once they arrive in the promised land in Joshua chapter 5, verses 10 through 12. While they were camped at Gilgal, that is, they'd already crossed over the Jordan River, they're now heading into the promised land. 
While they were camped at Gilgal in the plains of Jericho, they celebrated the Passover during the evening of April 1st. The next day, they began to eat from the gardens and grain fields which they had invaded, and they, and they made, they made, they what? They what? They made unleavened bread. This was the first time they've made bread since they came out of Egypt. They had to dust off their old recipes. Mama, how do you make bread? Let me see if I can remember. I know it's been 40 years since we made any bread, but now we've got to make bread again, so we better pull out the old recipe and figure out how to do this thing again because the manna didn't show up today. Why did the manna not show up? The manna didn't show up because God is teaching them something different. He said, you've lived for 40 years on a miracle. Now I'm going to teach you how to live in my promised land with some processes. Are you hearing me tonight? So important. Yes, it's rained down for you for 40 years, but now I'm going to teach you that you're going to be involved in this thing. It's not going to be a miracle every day. I'm going to teach you a process. And it says that the, the, the Bible goes on to say, notice verses 11 and 12 again. The next day they begin to eat from the gardens and grain fields, which they had invaded. They made unleavened bread. The following day, no manna fell, and it was never seen again. So from that time on, they lived on the crops of Canaan. Now think about this. They're now living in the land of Canaan, but the manna's not coming anymore. How are they going to have food? You can help me out. It's all right. How are they going to have any food? They got to make it. They got to grow it. They got to water it. They got to fertilize it. They got to engage in the farming process. Are you with me? So the miracle is stopped. But God hasn't removed himself from them. He's teaching them how to experience a process of developing their lives. See, God doesn't want to do everything for you. God wants to get you engaged in a process with him so you're working together with God. And that's how spiritual growth happens in your life. Now, will God bring miracles along your journey? Absolutely. But if you're going to grow in God, you have to embrace the process. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's all about the process. Tell them, it's all about the process. Important. Look at what the psalmist said about this. Psalm 119, verses 57 through 59. You are my portion, Lord, for I, I have promised to obey your words. I sought your face with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your promise. I have considered my ways. Read the rest with me. And I've turned my, turned my what? My steps to your statutes. I turn my, I begin to walk in your statue. I begin to take steps in that direction. Key word to understand. James 2, verse 17. So then faith that doesn't involve action is phony. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 1. We work together with God. So we're asking you not to receive God's grace and to do nothing with it. And so having received the grace of God, now in our spiritual journey, we're engaging ourselves in steps. Steps are a part of the process. God works together with you to bring you into maturity. If you're, listen to this, if you're going to keep your vision strong, you better learn the process of walking with God. I believe that some of you had a sort of a rekindling of your vision in this series together, but your vision will not be sustained unless you keep the steps up. The vision will not be sustained unless you engage the process. Let me take you to my third and final point tonight. Number three, God's process for spiritual progress, here's a dynamic word for you, is simple. 
Now, certain things I can make and I can cook if it's simple. It's called a can of soup. Okay. <laughs> Give me the can. I pull the top off. I pour the contents in. I add one cup of water. I can do that. Okay. Because it's simple enough for someone that doesn't know how to cook, doesn't know how to bake. It's simple enough for me to get it, right? I'm really good with Pop-Tarts. <laughs> I've mastered the art of Pop-Tarts. I know how many seconds to leave it in, get the perfect response. Why? Because it's simple. Okay. Here's the thing I want you to know. God knows that all of us are not expert spiritual growth uh, people. Okay? We don't know everything we need to know about spiritual growth. So God's made it easy. He's made, not easy, he's made it simple, okay? See, something that is simple doesn't always mean that it's easy, but it's at least simple. And so everybody here can do the process. Every, I mean, it takes a lot of work to ruin a Pop-Tart, okay? It takes a lot of work, a lot of effort to ruin a can of soup. I mean, most people can do it. You can do this. You can understand this process. So what I'm going to do for, with you for the next few moments is I'm going to share with you four things that are involved in this process of spiritual growth, keeping your spiritual vision strong as you head into your future. God has made it very simple for us and very clear. I'm going to review some things that many of you will already know, but we always need to come back to the fundamentals in our life. Number one, the process always involves consistent personal time with God. As you go into this, next, into this year, moving forward, you need to continually have a consistent time with God, consistent time with Him. I'll tell you why this is important. Because you can't become like Him if you don't know Him, and if you, you can't know Him without being with Him. The only way I can get to know your personality is to hang out with you. And the more I hang out with you, the more I know something about you. I can understand a bit of your motivations, your idiosyncrasies, the elements of who you are as a person. I get to know you by being around you. The same is true with God. God is a personal God, and God wants a personal relationship with you. And to have a personal relationship with you, you got to show up. He's there all the time, but he's waiting for you to show up and say, I need to spend some time with you, God. I want to be around you. I need to learn something about your nature. I need to learn something about your character. I need to be with you. And it can't just be sort of haphazard here a little bit and there a little bit. You need to make sure it's a consistent process of your life. I'm not saying this to make you feel guilty or make you feel condemned. I'm just telling you this is your way to your best life. Your best life is being with your creator. Because your creator is the one that can bring the best out of you, help you become more like Jesus. Notice what happens here in Proverbs 8, verse 34 and 35. God says, blessed are those, blessed are those who listen to me, watching how often? How often? Daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway for those who find me, find life, and receive favor from the Lord. God has, a, has an appointment available for you every day. And the best way to develop your relationship with him is just to show up at his doorstep every day and say, God, here I am. 
right here in my, in my, in, in my bedroom, in, in my little office, in my car. I'm just, here I am, God. I just want to knock on your door today and let you know that I need you and I want to hang out with you. I want to be around you. And the Bible says that God never rejects us. God always has time for us. And in that journey, things begin to happen in our life that actually transform us in our journey and help us to move toward the trajectory of God's purpose and plan for our lives. You've got to consistently spend time with him. Psalm 5, verse 3. Read it together with me. In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait expectantly. The psalmist said, every day before I get involved in anything else, God, I'm hanging out with you and I bring my request, my stuff, my things I'm dealing with, the things I'm concerned about. I I come to you every morning with all these things. I give them to you and then I wait expectantly for you to move. Would you agree with me that every day of your life, you need God's help in some aspect, if not all, all aspects of your life. Amen? So you start your day with being in the presence of God and asking Him to be a part of your day and a part of your life and a part of whatever you're facing in any, in any, any 24-hour period. Matthew 6, 6. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will do what? He will reward you. We are shaped, we are formed, and we're transformed by being with Jesus. That's the only way you're going to be shaped and formed and transformed is by being with him. Number two, the second step, the second part of the process. What's number one? What's number one? Consistently spending time with God. You're not going to grow. You're still going to have your ups and downs in life. That's not going to take care of all that, but you're going to be better off if you're consistently spending time with God. Number two, you need to have consistent involvement in your local church. I'm going to give you a caveat before I give you this part of the message. I'm not giving you this just because I want to see more people coming to church more regularly. I'm not just trying to fill the seats here. You need to trust me on this. It's not my motivation in sharing with you what I'm about to share with you. You need the church. God established the church because you need it, okay? And it should be a part of your life. Unfortunately, in today's culture, America especially, there are people who are going, attending church less frequently than they did in the past. Life is busy. A lot of people are doing lots of different things that compete with our Sundays. And we tend to think that, well, I can watch this stuff online or I'll catch a little devotional here or there. But you need the discipline of being in a local church. You need to have your church family. The place where you're under a church environment, where you're part of a church family and it's become, it becomes a part of your regular journey because this is what will give you that extra inspiration every week that you need to help you add to what you're already doing, spending time with God. See, some people, I don't need the church, I spend time with God. Well, you need that, but you need the church too. Because when you come to the house of God, you're meeting with other believers. And Jesus said, where two or three have gathered together in my name, I promise you that I'm in the midst. That God does stuff in your life that will never happen unless you're consistently in an atmosphere of being in the house of God. You need to say, church is where I'm going to be on the weekend. I'm going to spend at least an hour and a half, hour, hour and a half in church every weekend to fill my spiritual tank corporately with the body of Christ, feeding myself, finding, finding fresh renewal of my faith in him. You need the community of faith. Notice Hebrews 10, verse 25. Why don't you read it together with me, loud and loud. Here we go. Let us not neglect 
our church meetings, as some people do, but encourage and warn each other, especially now that the day of his coming back again is drawing near. Would all of you agree that Jesus is closer to coming back now than he's ever been before? Would you agree with that? Are we further into the end times than we've ever been before? No question about it, because as each year goes by, we're further away from the time that Jesus ascended back to the right hand of God the Father, and we're closer to the time that Jesus will come back again. And Hebrew, the writer of Hebrews, inspired by the Holy Spirit, says, don't neglect, don't no neglect your church meetings, and make sure you come and you encourage one another, and make sure even more so as you approach the day of Jesus' second coming. Now, in some ways, I'm preaching to the choir tonight because you're here. But I'm also encouraging you to make it a pattern of your life to say the church is valuable to me as a part of my journey. It's what moves you toward your trajectory. Notice the early church, Acts chapter 2, verse 42, Living Bible. They joined, speaking of the new converts in the early church, they joined with the other believers in, what are the next two words? What does it say? They joined with other believers when they didn't have soccer games. Your Bible doesn't say that? They joined with other believers as long as the Redskins weren't playing. I'm preaching to somebody tonight, okay? Of course, really, haven't had too much problem with the Redskins the last few years, so we're not, so. We're gonna get better though, amen? Okay, we're gonna get better, okay? They joined with the other believers in regular attendance at the apostles' teaching sessions and at the communion services and prayer meetings. Matthew 16, verse 18. And I tell you that you're Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Notice the emphasis that Jesus says, ecclesia, it's the gathering of believers together, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. There's power in the gathering of God's people. So if you're going to make the recipe Work the process. Number one, you've got to spend consistent time with God yourself. Number two, you need to be engaged regularly in the activity of worship with other believers. Number three, you ready for this one? Here's the process. We're making the cake, right? We're taking the steps to keep our vision strong. You have to consistently keep stretching your faith. You've got to put yourself in a position of growing by stretching your faith. You can't just stay where you are. You've got to be keep moving to keep your faith enlarged, your faith being stretched. Listen to Luke 6, verse 38. Words of Jesus, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. Notice the statement, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. See, as long as you sit back and you never challenge your faith, you say, well, how do I challenge my faith? I challenge my faith by giving, okay? I'm not just talking about financial giving. That's an important part of your journey. That's another teaching for another time. But I'm talking about doing something that stretches you, giving something of yourself. It might be serving in some ministry. It might be taking on some responsibility of helping advance the kingdom of God. But you have to, you have to choose how much you're going to give out. What measure will you use? Because the Bible says that whatever measure you use, that's the measure that God uses in giving back to you. So if you step out in faith and keep growing, God begins to meet you where you are. If all you do is sit back and never do anything for the kingdom of God, your faith will never grow. You'll be stagnant in your spiritual journey. Any muscle that is not used atrophies. 
If you don't use it, you're never going to grow it or develop it. And so you begin to stretch your faith, sharing your faith with someone that doesn't know Christ. Would you agree that's a stretching thing sometimes? God nudges you and says, why don't you share your faith with that person? Uh, I don't feel led to right now. God says, no, I want you just to, just to share a little bit about Jesus with that person that, that you work with. And, and God's prompting you, but, you, but you, don't, you don't want to do that because you're afraid to stretch your faith. It'll be amazing for some of you that when you start listening to that still, small voice of the Holy Spirit challenging you to share your faith with someone, it's because God has already prepared their heart for the message you're going to give them. But you've got to step out in faith and do that. You've got to share. It might simply be praying for somebody sometimes. God will put it on your heart to, to pray for a person at work. You, you just ask him, you know, I know you're going through a tough time. Can I pray for you? Can I just pray for you? If they say no, then you just back away. You don't need to make a scene of it. But many times, I would bet you probably eight out of ten times, if not more, that person will say, yeah, I would really appreciate that. The next thing you do is say, can we pray right now? Now, you, do it, you don't do it out in front of everybody else, the whole, you know, the whole office, but you say, let me take a moment. Can we just kind of go over to the side? Let me pray for you right now. What are you doing? You're stretching your faith. You're, you're operating in something that you're not comfortable with. So it's stretching you and God will meet you when you begin to do that in that journey. Notice Isaiah 54 verse 2. Read it with me. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. All of those verses Encourage us to be on the stretch, moving forward in our journey. Let me give you our last point today. We're involved in this recipe, if you will. How do we engage the process? You need to consistently respond well to the things that God reveals to you about yourself and your relationships with others. God is always going to be working on you and me about two things in our life. God will always be working on you about you because you need a lot of help. I need a lot of help. There are things in all of our lives that happen in our journey, things that we're not aware of, things that we, 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 where we get off track in our journey with God. And so God is always wanting to talk to you about you, to help you continue to grow in your relationship with him, to help you see the blind spots you haven't seen in your life, to help you to grow in some realm in your journey with God. So God wants you to see things about you, but it's not just enough to see things. You have to respond well when he shows you things. Many, many times in my life that God has shown me different things. I, oh, my goodness, God, I didn't see that. I'm so sorry. You go to God with asking him for, for his forgiveness and cleansing and lessons that you learn from. Then you move on into your next stage of, of walking with God. But he shows you stuff about you, and God will always be showing you stuff about how to better relate to others. Not to better judge others. Not to find fault with other people. But to how to better relate to people around you. Because he wants his love to flow through you to the people around you. And one of your biggest issues, as is mine, is to know how to love people the way Jesus loves them. Are you with me tonight? How do, because I got these two problems that are live with me all the time. Number one problem is me. Right? Right? And so I, and I, everywhere I go, I got this problem. I carry me with me. So I've got to deal with me, and so God, show me the stuff that I need to see about me and help me to respond the right way when you do as I'm listening to you and growing in my relationship with you. But I've also got this other issue. i got you. So I'm going to interact with you from time to time, and when I interact with you, it's going to bring up stuff in me and stuff in the relationship that's not always going to be pleasant. Any married people say amen? Okay. 
So you're dealing with stuff about you, but you're also dealing with stuff that only happens in your relationships. So when you, that's why relationships are so important. God pulls you into relationship to trick you. Because when you get into a relationship, you start seeing stuff about yourself that you didn't see before. And so you now begin to realize, oh my goodness, I need to learn how to love. I don't know how to love. I don't know how to forgive. I don't know how to be gentle. I don't know how to be kind. I don't know how to be merciful. I don't know how to be gracious. All these things start showing up in your life that you didn't realize before. And now it provides opportunity for you to grow an opportunity for you to develop. Take a look with me at 1 John chapter 1, verse 8. If we claim that we're free of sin, we're only what? Who are we fooling? Well, I don't have any problems. I think I'm pretty good. Remember the guy in the, in the, in the, in the temple Jesus talked about with the, with the Pharisee and the tax collector, and the Pharisee goes to God and says, God, I thank you that I'm not like that guy. I think I'm pretty good. And the other guy goes over here and says, no, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus asked the question, which of these two you think went home justified? Not the one that thought he had no issues, but the one that realized he did have a lot of issues in his life. So the Bible says, John says here, he says, if we claim that we're free of sin, we're only fooling ourselves. A claim like that is errant nonsense. I like the way the message says that. Hebrews 12, 14 to 15. In every relationship, be swift to choose peace over competition. Run swiftly toward holiness for those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Watch over each other to make sure that no one misses the revelation of God's what? Grace. And make sure no one lives with a root of Bitterness sprouting within them, which will only cause trouble and, po and poison the hearts of many. Ephesians 4, 1 through 6, as a prisoner of the Lord, I plead with you to walk holy in a way that is suitable to your high rank and given to you in your divine calling with tender humility. Now he's describing what this looks like. With tender humility and quiet patience, always demonstrate what? Gentleness and generous Love toward one another, especially toward those who may try your patience. Let's just let that sit there for a moment, okay? <laughs> Be faithful to guard the sweet harmony of the Holy Spirit among you and the bonds of peace. Being one body, one in spirit as you were all called into the same glorious hope of divine destiny. For the Lord God is one and so are we. For we share in one faith, one baptism, one father. And he is the perfect father who leads us all, works through us all, and lives in us all. Keep on responding the right way when God works in your life and when God works in your relationships. And I promise you, let's go over them again really quickly as we're wrapping up. You want to keep the vision 2020 for the rest of your life? Do you? How do you do it? It involves steps. It involves a process, okay? It's not going to happen by a miracle. It's going to happen by a process. And the process is not always easy, but it is simple. Everybody can do this. He made the recipe simple, okay? What is the recipe? Number one, consistently spend time with who? With God. Number two, stay tied in with your church, right? Find your church home and stay there. Be a part of it. Bless it. Help it. Grow in it. Learn from it. Third thing is what? Stretch your faith. Keep do things that will continually keep you moving forward in your journey, stretching you out to growing in that. And finally, what was the fourth thing? Make sure you respond well to God when he's dealing with you in your own life and as he's dealing with you about your relationships. Would you bow your heads together as we pray? Father, we love you today. Thank you for the opportunity we've had to study your word. We ask you'll take this message 
And God, I pray that each one of us would work the process. Thank you that you are a miracle-working God, but you're also a process God. So we ask you to help us to live out the process for your glory and for your honor in Jesus' name. I would like to close today by giving you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me right now? Right where you are, just simply bow your head with me, and I'm going to give you a prayer to pray. And you can simply speak this prayer out, whisper this prayer out, and from the sincerity of your heart, call upon God, and I promise you that He will hear and answer you. So let's pray together. Start by simply whispering the name Jesus. Let there come uh, from your heart just the declaration of His name. Say, Jesus, I know that, that I am a sinner, that I have fallen short with you. I'm sorry for all of my sins. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are God's Son. I believe that you are the Savior of the world. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the grave, that you are alive today. Now pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new start in you. I commit my life to you in Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says that when we call upon God's name, we call upon the Son of God, there is salvation that comes to our lives. He changes us from the inside out, and you become a new creation. All things pass away. All things become new, and that's exactly what has happened to you today. Your next step really is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church. and You begin to study God's Word, get God's Word in you, and to make sure that you get a copy of the Bible if you don't have one and begin to read it. Spend some time every day in prayer. And I would encourage you also to check out the resources on our website that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. You can find them at church-redeemer.org. Get those into your hands. Get started in your new life with Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today. May God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next time. If you've prayed with a pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to church-redeemer.org slash a new you. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.